Heartbreakers. It's very close to Christmas at the end of December. Pierce and I got together and decided to do a little bit of a bonus episode, kind of as our holiday gift to everyone. We were talking about something this week that I think everybody's kind of talking about. We realized we had a lot of thoughts, and rather than keeping them to ourselves, we thought, you know, it might be fun to share them with everybody and see how the Heartbreakers feel about Star Wars The Last Jedi. So instead of comics will break your heart, tonight we're going to do Star Wars will break your heart. It is a Star Wars holiday special is exactly what it is. Hopefully ours will be a little bit better. I feel like that's in the grand uh, tradition of holiday special, of Star Wars holiday specials. I feel like... it is. And you know what? There's a very fun Golden Girls tie-in with this that we can talk about. It's been a little while. Uh, by the way, I'm George Marston, and of course, uh, with me as always is... Uh, Pierce Lightning. Here we go. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi, which Pierce and I have many thoughts about. Um, but you know what? We ought to start this a little bit, maybe by doing our usual thing, talking about how we discovered Star Wars or how we developed a relationship with it to begin with. Yeah, you know, I I have to say that with this movie coming out, I think more than when Force Awakens came out, that's been like a very, very, very constant thing that's come up for me uh, in my conversation. I mean, I was even just at my uh, job's Christmas party. Um, and we, I, I was talking to a coworker of mine who we've been friends for a while. She has two kids. We started talking about Star Wars because I, I, I don't know, you know, you're at work, you, you talk about pop culture nonsense and just kind of current events, right? And I was yeah. like, hey, have you? Star Wars is a hell of a lot better than a lot of things that people might want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was kind of like, hey, have you taken your kids to see Star Wars? And she was like, no, they're not really that into it, but. You know, I saw them when I was a kid and, you know, and I was like, really? Like, your kids aren't into Star Wars? They're like 11 and 7 years old. They're like Star Wars aged. Um, and so I've, got, I've kind of launched into sort of my, my Star Wars origin story a number of times over the past, over the past week. Um, well, let's hear it. I haven't, I don't know this story. We, oh, we talked okay. about yeah, our so, comic book origins previously, but tell me about how you got into Star Wars. So, so... Star Wars for me, I, I remember this very specifically, and in my family, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Terminator are like the big, I would say like the big three. My mom is a huge, huge, huge Terminator fan. Oh, and I guess, and Lord of the Rings, but, um, so I guess big four. My mom's a huge Terminator fan, and then she's kind of like latched on to whatever other stuff the rest of us like. But I very specifically remember being six years old. I was in first grade, and I was sick to my stomach, and I couldn't go to school. Both my parents worked when I was growing up, and my dad worked nearby, but he couldn't be home with me, and he couldn't take the day off. He had meetings or whatever, uh, and and congratulations to my dad. Actually, he just got promoted to CEO of his company. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, same company, too, so it's kind of cool. But... uh Uh, He's been working there for over 30 years. But he, at this point, was not a CEO, and he could not take the day off. And he said, listen, buddy, you know, know, I can't stay home with you. 
but do you promise you'll be okay by yourself? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm the oldest. So I was like, I, this was very much my kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I get to be, you know, in charge or whatever of my empty house. And, uh, he goes, but you know what, you know, you're, you're, feel, you're feeling sick. Let me go to the store. I'll be right back. And he came home like, you know, 30 minutes later or so. And he had a two liter bottle of ginger ale that was warm and a thing of crackers like like saltines and a bag from Blockbuster and the bag had three videotapes in it. Episode one. <laughs> episode two. <laughs> and he goes to me, uh, here's the order that you watch them in. Watch these all and we'll talk when I get home. And I spent the next six or so, six to eight hours mainlining the original trilogy uh, while I was sick and I I, my mind was just blown. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't under, I didn't like, I understood what I was watching entirely, but my tiny mind was just like, I couldn't believe it. Uh, it was just the best thing I'd ever seen. Um, did you know about the twists and stuff going into it? Like, did you know, I had no idea. I had no idea because if I had heard of, if I had heard those things to that point, it was only in abstractions that I didn't understand what was being referenced. Like if adults had mentioned it or referenced it, or there's a joke about it, I didn't understand what it was referencing. And so I was six years old, had no, had no clue. I mean, so I'm six years old. It's like 1994. And at this point, yeah. So that would have been like the re-release editions that came out on VHS. Yeah. Before they did the special edition alterations, they were just like um, recolored and uh, stuff like that. Which like I actually just got my brother the 1995 VHS uh, box set re like re release. That's not I have like three of those. <laughs> I just got him that because we were talking about how the the uh, un un you know CGI'd uh ones are not on dvd and yeah well they they are on dvd but they're impossible to find yeah i mean they they're, out, they're like crazy expensive in 2004 yeah which actually i'll talk about that in a minute but um but yeah so i mean that was star wars for me and then and then at that point we weren't going to get more and there was not really an internet and that was it like that was star wars and from there it was kind of like I went to Barnes and Noble and I'd see Star Wars books and I would just buy them because they were Star Wars and I got really invested in e in the EU from then on and I and I didn't understand like what I was reading necessarily all the time because I didn't under like I wasn't reading things in order and I didn't know that there was an order but I did know that it was more and I was kind of obsessed with it and I was kind of and I recognized Star Wars things when I saw them because I think that even though even though Star Wars wasn't as kind of ubiquitous as it is now, um, the merchandising was still very strong. And yeah, especially so, when those that VHS release happened because they relaunched the toy line and stuff then too. So right, it was, and, it was and they had re-released a bunch of the toys, almost like kind of newer versions of the original toys. Wasn't wasn't yeah. that what it was? Right, yeah. So yeah, they basically continued the line that had ended in like 1983 or whatever, or 1987, with like upgraded sculpts and stuff like that. I have a bunch of them. I got into them at that time. And so, I mean, that was it. That was Star Wars for me. And then, like, I was able to like show it to my brothers, and it was those were videos that we rented all the time. 
Like, we just... To the point where my parents should have just bought them. But, like, never did for some reason. But it was always, Sometimes like, the experience the of renting movies like that is also part of it. Oh, really. 100%. 100%. And, uh, and then... So then I got to see them in theaters when there was sort of that ramp up to Phantom Menace. Yeah. And that's when they did the uh, upgraded with like additional footage. Exactly. And shit like that, that we have now. Exactly. And so I got to go see them, you know, in, in most of their glory, <laughs> um, uh, on, on the big screen as well. And I, you know, I can't, I, I was saying to my coworker today, I was like, you know, she was like, oh, you know, I, I haven't watched those movies in such a long time. I didn't see Force Awakens. My kids are not really that interested. My youngest actually said, said, mommy, I think this new one is going to be too intense for me. Um, cause he had just seen like a TV trailer for the last Jedi. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like these, these movies I, like I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be the person that I am today without Star Wars, which feels like a really crazy thing to say because Star Wars is Star Wars, right? It's like the biggest thing in the world. But it it's had such significant impact on individual people in such individual ways. I don't know. Yeah, everybody has a different experience and relationship with Star Wars. And it's interesting to me that everybody who loves Star Wars kind of has a personal canon for it. Like the things that they accept as part of the Star Wars story and things that they say, that isn't my Star Wars. And it's weird that there's so that, that there's enough of it that everybody has that. And that even when the official documents or the official like uh, line is, you know, this is what's canon is the movies, this one cartoon... And then, like, whatever we make now. Right. And people still have their own personal canon. And I, you know, so when I discovered Star Wars, I was very young the first time I saw any Star Wars movie, which uh, the first one that I saw ever was Return of the Jedi. Okay. Because um, Return of the Jedi and I were born in the same year. And so, like, the first time it aired on TV in, like, 1987 or something, I was probably four years old because I still lived in Massachusetts. Um, my mom and dad were like, we're going to watch the greatest movie of all time tonight and you're going <laughs> to love it and your mind will be blown. And it was, and I loved it and I became obsessed with star Wars, but my only knowledge of star Wars as a four year old was return of the Jedi. So I loved return of the Jedi and low key. It's still kind of my favorite to this day because of that. I have a lot of feelings actually about what's the best of the original trilogy because my feelings have changed slightly recently, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. Um, so. Uh, I remember getting really into the toys because I had action figures at the time um, for most of the first for, for most of that time until I was uh, four years old. I was an only child. Um, um, was that the first because I know you're kind of a toy guy. Mm -hmm. Like, was that the first thing that you were? No, um, the first toys I was obsessed with were superpowers, action figures. Oh, the right, first right, two right, toys right. I owned were a superpowers Superman. And a uh, an action figure from the Remco Mighty Crusaders line called um, the Sting, and it was like a fly guy with a weird skull face. Oh, okay. And I called him Playman <laughs> when I was like two years old. Anyway, um, no. So I got into the Star Wars toys, and I remember very specifically the first time I saw a huge array of Star Wars action figures because by this time they weren't really in stores anymore. Was at a fair. They had a booth. 
that had just a whole the guy was just selling like set up at like a you know a flea market portion with a bunch of like loose no no he had them all in packages like you'd see at a store and he just had like three kind of like cubicle walls lined with them and i was like holy shit i didn't even know they that many of them existed and so my parents were like you can get one (laughs) so i the first one i ever owned was a gamorian guard oh wow yeah okay and so I later traded that at a comic book store when I was nine years old for a Bib Fortuna action figure, which I still have. Um, so then the first time I saw the Star Wars trilogy in full, they aired it on TV around the same time just before that release. Like, I think it was 1991, 1992. Um, and uh, I was on a road trip with my family in Virginia. Uh, staying at a family friend's house and they were like the whole star wars trilogy is airing tonight was it was on like sci-fi channel or something no it was on like cbs because cbs still had the rights to it at that time i think because they were still cbs fox or whatever um i i think it was cbs it might have been on fox i can't remember it doesn't matter it was on tv and it was a big deal or whatever like a national airing and so I sat down that night and I watched all three of them and I had the same experience. I was like, what? I never knew that there was this much star Wars. And like, I had knew that there was more star Wars than I had seen, but I didn't realize really what the story was. So yeah. And then kind of seeing the star Wars trilogy was a little harder at that time too, because the VHS tapes were a little more rare and hard to come by and more expensive. Right. And they hadn't been released as a set ever. Yeah, I remember that my parents also, like, like growing up, they had very specific tapes. Like, we had tapes of specific movies. There were ones that I was allowed to watch. There were ones that I wasn't allowed to watch. And as much as I think my dad liked Star Wars, those weren't tapes that he bought. He bought, like, because he and my mom both liked Indiana Jones. We had all the Indiana Jones movies. We had... Batman 89, we had a bunch of movies that I wasn't allowed to watch, and like, and a bunch of Disney movies, and like, that was it. Yeah, and so seeing the Star Wars trilogy at any time was like a specific, it it was hard to do. Kind of like an event. Exactly. It was still an event at the time, which I think is what a lot of people miss about Star Wars now. I had a conversation about this with a friend of mine that will talk about we should get into the last jedi actually at some point yeah um excuse me um so yeah i i kind of had the same relationship and then really i rediscovered it through that when the vhs set came out because my dad bought it and i watched it with him and my stepmom and my sister doesn't remember that time she swears she's never seen it but we all watched (laughs) it and i guess she didn't care i mean she would have been very young at the time yeah um so it didn't have the same impact it, on her that it had on me. But I got into some of the novels. I got into some of the comic books. Um, yeah, for, when... for me, it was more novels. And also, I couldn't tell you now what it was that I read. Like, I just know that I vacuumed up anything that was Star Wars and that weird parts of it stick with me. But I couldn't tell you the names of like authors or books. Yeah, I just honestly, there are a lot of them that I read and that I read because my friends were, had read them and gave them to me and stuff that yeah. I don't really remember because I didn't really like a lot of them. 
to me, and so that's the thing is that my Star Wars canon personally is that I like the original trilogy and I like the new movies that build off of that. I recognize the prequels, you know, I recognize yeah. the, the, the Disney canon as that's called, but most of my interest in the extended universe came way later because I just didn't connect with it as much. Um, I knew some of the lore, like I knew about kind of where Luke and Leia and Han's stories had gone. Right, like all the um, marriage Jade and Jason and Jada Solo right. and yeah, Luke turning to the dark side and stuff like that. Exactly. And so I knew those stories and I knew the characters and just didn't, I don't know, it didn't really feel the same to me. And I think a lot of people like that better maybe. I don't know. I don't think it's a wrong way to like Star Wars. That's not my point. My point is that there is no wrong way to like Star Wars, that you can like whatever parts of it you want. And some of us are fascinated by different aspects of it. I got really into lightsabers for a while um, because of the role-playing game content for Star Wars, which shows you exactly the level of nerd that I am. Um, I think what was, what's, what was always so exciting for me about Star Wars as a universe that actually worked for me better than comic books did especially big two stuff is that it felt like this crazy expansive world right it was unlike our own and it felt like every time you read something you weren't just going on an adventure you were like uncovering secrets and that there was something to be gained knowing like where kyber crystals come from or how a lightsaber is created or what the different colors of a lightsaber meant because there was something like much more significant about that than just like knowing Batman's identity. Absolutely. Because Batman's identity was everywhere. You know, you kind of had to seek out that knowledge and those secrets. And I think star Wars and star Trek get compared a lot. And I don't really think that that's, it's kind of apples and oranges to me. But I think the thing they do have in common is that they inspire, like, obsessive knowledge in fans and, and that kind of, you know, love of minutia, which, again, I'm not knocking it at all. Oh, no, I love saying. it. It's one it's, of my favorite things. It's just a thing that, that Star Wars brings out in people, and I think it's because it honors that. And I think, you know, I get why a lot of people feel betrayed that those things were abandoned or that there are things happening in movies now that don't line up with their vision. But my thought on that and straying from the extended universe stuff that people kind of know and maybe wanted to see is that general audiences aren't going to miss that at all. You know, they're not going to know the difference. They're not going to, most people probably don't know, you know, it's kind of the thing where like, well, I know the movies count, but whatever else I don't not going to seek that out. Casual watchers, which I think would amount to most people who see Star Wars. Um, And then also the people who have read it aren't going to be surprised by it. And they're only going to be disappointed when it's wrong or when it has to be reinterpreted. There's just no way to win by adapting those things. Yeah. You know. So, so, all right. So this is a good sort of segue. I walked out of The Last Jedi feeling very weird. I felt I didn't I like I felt like I didn't know how I felt about that movie. Now, like I saw it opening night, like Thursday night or whatever. I have not stopped thinking about this film since I watched it. 
like I, I like I, I unequivocally know that I love it now. For you know, with all of its warts, but I cannot stop thinking about it, and I think the reason I felt weird is because I do know all the stuff that was quote unquote supposed to happen. You know, I was right there with everybody that was like, wow, I really hope we get to see Mara Jade. I really hope we get to see Luke turn to the dark side. I really hope we get to see these stories. But also there's a part of me that goes, wait a second, those characters, though, were much younger in those stories than they are now. And for us to get those stories is, I don't know, it's not going to happen, you know, and it's not or if it is, it's not going to happen the way we want it to, you know, um, and and with Force Awakens, I was always very like, Force Awakens is fine. We understand the plot of the story. We've seen it before. I love Ray. I love Finn. I love Poe. I think they could have gotten a cooler thing to do than just do the thing that we've seen other characters do already. But I like them, and I'm excited to see them do more. This still does, but like this doesn't, and like this is better than the prequels. And so, yeah, and the and um, the Force Awakens to me kind of felt like Disney saying, "Okay, we get Star Wars, we get what this is supposed to be, we know the tropes, we know the the catchphrases, we know the archetypes, we get it, and we can do it, and it will be better than the prequels, and it won't make you angry unless you're, you know, unless it did. There's unless you want to be angry about it. I mean, I think that that's the thing with these movies, with both of them, is like. If you want to be like, I have seen people more so than the force awakens with the last Jedi. I have seen people react to this movie with such hatred and vitriol for what they watched that I begin to question what they're watching for. Totally. I think it's, it's really hard. I think most star Wars fans really don't like star Wars very much, (laughs) you know? Well, and I, I think that, that it's a myself, certain by which I mean like, I, there, there's Star a lot Wars of Star fans. Wars that I don't like. And for a long time, 50% of Star Wars, really, I didn't like. I didn't like Clone Wars. I still don't like any of that era or those characters. But also, but also, even within that, I think that, and I think for you and I, coming at this from a comic book fan perspective, right? I don't like every Superman story, but I like Superman. I don't like every yeah. Spider-Man story. But I like Spider-Man. I haven't read a new Spider-Man comic in two years, probably. But I still, I wouldn't say that I'm not a Spider-Man. I wouldn't say I hate Spider-Man. No, 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 no. And I didn't mean to imply that oh, people no, no, no. who feel like, who feel upset by, like, uh, who don't like the newer movies or don't like the way it's handled aren't true Star Wars fans. I would never say that or imply I don't think that, that but I think that also that they're sort of, I, here's the, the sentiment that I dislike out of these new films is Disney ruined Star Wars. Right. I, I don't understand it because also, as far as I'm concerned, Star Wars is already ruined. I, I think yeah. that I, I actually <laughs> we think... We got three movies that were essentially worst case scenario. I, I, I actually think, though, that Lucas's prequels, while, yes, they may be his vision, uh, and yes, they are you know, arguably consistent in tone and provide backstory for things that he puts in the original trilogy. 
Yeah, I want to talk about some of that in a minute, but anyway. One, they're bad movies. Like, they're practically unwatchable trash. Oh, they're very bad. Bad like, acting, like, bad like writing, they bad are sets, bad visuals. Bad. Just, oh, impossible they, to watch. They there are people who disagree terrible. with me. And they're, I'm going to hear from some any of them who listen to this. Weirdly, weirdly, the one that I will defend probably the most is The Phantom Menace. And not from a narrative standpoint. I, don't, I, I think it does a great disservice to the, to the original, to the, I don't know. There's a lot of problems with it. But I think, like, the set pieces in it are kind of cool at least. And it felt kind of the most Star Wars to me. And, and, and actually... And so we're going to get into some spoilers here if you didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, I'll put it in the post for this episode anyway. There's uh, So the scene at the very end of The Last Jedi, we see a young stable boy who force, you know, force pulls a broom to his hand and stands looking at the stars as, as a ship goes into light speed. And he's kind of holding the... Everybody keeps saying he's holding the broom like a lightsaber, but I don't see that. I think he's just holding a broom. But he well, I don't know. I thought he was holding it like a lightsaber. I thought he was holding uh, it. I don't know. I, at I, least like a weapon. I guess but so. It might, you know. I think I, he, I think, you could I think he was just holding it. That. But to me, I saw that as like because the idea of hat like that that these things start with kids that it starts with sort of the most innocent among us is true. I think to both the experiences that we just said about how we came to star Wars. Um, Absolutely. And it's how this thing thing keeps going. I know, I know a lot of kids who like the prequels and I know a lot of people who are like, I know a lot of younger people who are like, well, I grew up with that and that's the first star Wars I saw. I saw it literally in order. Yeah, And they like it, and that's fine. And I don't begrudge people that, and I don't think we need to, like, go back and scrub those from the oh, no, or, no, like, no. anything like that. I'm not angry that they exist. I maybe was probably a little more at the time because I was a hell of a lot younger, and I kind of didn't understand what really matters in the world. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about The Last Jedi Nuts and Bolts. And there are things that I really want to talk about, like, overall... I guess, oh man, there's so much in this movie. What a, what a, first of all, Ryan Johnson, thank you. <laughs> yeah, what I, a, I mean, it's just a competently directed film, and I didn't like Looper. A lot of people loved it. I kind of hated it. I, so I'm it indifferent. Not. I'm indifferent. I love Brick, though. I haven't seen it. Oh, Brick is kind of his breakout from 2005. It's like a high school noir starring Joseph, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Joseph. <laughs> that would be a Star oh, okay. Wars name. I, I I didn't realize he directed that, huh? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 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 really I still cool haven't movie. seen it, but I'm familiar with the movie. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't expecting much because I really didn't like Looper at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe that's part of why I was so impressed with a lot of the things that he did. I think the thing that he really did that I loved was the relationship between like Kylo Ren, Luke Skywalker, Rey... And Snoke, which is really the core of the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like kind of everything else that happened was stuff that he thought was going to have a little more impact than it did. But, um, but that to me, that is such a great film and a great story. And Luke Skywalker's story in this movie to me was so, I don't know, something I really kind of needed to watch and feel and confront. And 
there was so much about that story and about his relationship to Ray and the Jedi code and the lesson that he kind of learns from Yoda at the end that I thought was so poignant and powerful and so true to Star Wars, not just thematically, but even in that kind of tropey sort of way, like Luke, old Luke is basically Yoda. Right. He doesn't grow up to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is what we all expected when we saw that first trailer, you know, where he kind of, where she reaches out with a lightsaber and he looks at her with the serious look. I think everybody was thinking, oh, he's old Ben now, but he wasn't. He was Yoda and Yoda kind of had the same thing, which was, okay, I'll train this kid because I guess I have to believe in this because I'm Yoda. And if he fails, it doesn't matter really because I'm Yoda and I get that. Right. But. He, I guess he was trying to inspire, you know, I, man, I could talk about Yoda in this movie for a really long time, apparently. I, I mean, I, I, I went into this movie kind of knowing what I thought I was going to see. And I think that Ryan Johnson did a really great job. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's, you know, they just threw out all the parts of Star Wars, like, like, oh, he didn't, he didn't, you know, they, th- this has been two reboots in a row. That's, that's yeah, the big thing I've heard. he didn't do cross wipes. He, they, they didn't say, I mean, like, actually uh, he did though. There's a the ton ends. of them. But yeah, I, it, but it didn't have the same feeling. And I think part of it is that it just broke a lot of rules of Star Wars. Luke throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder in that scene. Yeah. Or finding out that Snoke is just another fucking guy. You know, like, like he's nobody, and Ray is nobody, and like they're just not giving the expected parts of the narrative the weight that people think they quote unquote deserve. It was well, I have to take was kind of brilliant. With that, I, I think it was kind of brilliant, actually. Not though. with you, but oh no, 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 no I, I agree, I agree. I'm not. I didn't mean with you. I meant with the people with that opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I like, think that we had gotten into it with kind of the same person on like a Facebook status I wrote or whatever. But but somebody oh, yeah. well, somebody had was no, no, not at all. I mean, whatever. It's Star Wars, and it doesn't matter. And honestly, if you're gonna waste your time actually getting angry about this movie, like I don't know, take a nap. But. Yeah. <laughs> Like drink some blue milk yes. straight from the teat of a sentient alien. Uh wait, uh hold on. Luke is the alien, I know. And it's green milk. It's blah, green blah, milk, blah. blue milk's from Banthas, green milk is from the Thala Sirens on Octu, okay? Oct Octu? Okay. Anyway. Whatever. So, you know what's really fun about this Star Wars movie? I get to be nerdy about Star Wars garbage again. Yeah, that's true. It did give a lot of that. There's apparently. a bunch of nonsense Star Wars nonsense for me to fucking be stupidly knowledgeable about, and I fucking love it, and I'm so here for it. And and I love Porgs. I, I, I like Porgs. They're based uh, on Puffins. I love... They're, they are Puffins. That's what's amazing. They were that. like, we can't get all these Puffins off this fucking, off this fucking island. What are we going to do? I don't know. Make a fucking creature out of it. Okay, cool. I don't yes, know. But, that, so... <laughs> Looking at, like, Snoke, for example, that's the thing that I want to talk about. We know exactly as much about Snoke right now and have seen him in the exact same contexts right now mm-hmm. as when we saw the Empire over, you know, or the Emperor, rather, over Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. 100%. We have the exact same knowledge base about him. And I think in 2017, it's easy to not remember that there was a time when we didn't have, like, 
nine hours of inscrutable backstory for his political manipulations and getting inside of his stupid head. And that's the real disservice that I think the prequels did not being bad movies, because honestly, in the long run, who really cares? Right. You know what I mean? There are so many bad Batman movies and I still like good Batman movies. Right. And that was my point about comics also is like, just because there's a bad thing doesn't mean you have to like not, or just because there's a thing you don't like doesn't mean that it's one necessarily bad and two something you have to stop liking. So what I was going to say is the prequels, the thing they really did is they gave viewers and Star Wars fans this sense that everything has to be connected and everything has to have all this weight and moment and, and like, it's like Lord of the Rings where everything's got a name and a history yeah. and nothing exists in a vacuum and nothing happens because of a narrative bent. It all happens because, oh, well, this guy's a clone and you didn't really know it, but Boba Fett is a clone of this and their backstories go all the way back to here. And so it gives people the expectation that that's what's going to happen when we see the new movies is that they're going to immediately be like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? Ray is Obi-Wan Kenobi's granddaughter. Here's some secret shit you didn't know about Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is like a popular theory that I saw. Yeah. Which is fine. I wouldn't care if they did that, if it was a good story, if like it's a good movie. Yeah. But I guarantee you there are a shitload of Obi-Wan Kenobi fans out there who would be like, why? How the hell? What? what, what? That doesn't make any sense for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And after what happened with Anakin Skywalker, why would that happen? Well, I think that ultimately it's a zero sum game, right? Because if. Exactly, exactly. If you do what Lucas did, which was. Just tie it all together. Because there was one thing we knew going to the prequels. Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. How we get there? Oh, and that Obi-Wan was somehow involved. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And there was Clone Wars. We knew like six And things. we knew the Clone Wars happened. And yeah. we knew a few little details here and there. Yeah, but by and large, the main story beat that we knew was that uh, Darth Vader... Was Anakin Skywalker, right. and he is Luke and Skywalker, this, and Leia Organa's father. And I think that, that's all we knew. I think that for that, like that being the one thing, was easy to accept. It was just like, oh yeah, great, he's their father. Cool, that's fine. That that's a thing that could be. The prequels added this expectation to the Star Wars universe, like you were saying, that I think was untenable. That that yeah. I think that everybody's like, oh. Ryan Johnson just threw out everything that J.J. Abrams was building. But two things here. One, that's the kind of thing that J.J. Abrams excels at. Um, he, he's, the, he, he's the mystery box guy. He loves being like, like showing you a thing so that you can maybe find out what it is later and maybe not find out what it is. And you can at least... Uh, you can at least... Uh, argue about it or, or, well, or, or also, wonder I, about it. You know what I mean? And, and then, and then two, you know, who cares? <laughs> True. Well, also, the, I mean, the thing you have to consider is Ryan Johnson wrote the last Jedi before the force awakens was filmed and he and JJ Abrams consulted on it. So J.J. Abrams made The Force Awakens knowing what the answer to those questions was going to be. And if you watch those movies, there's some mystery about it and some weight in it for the characters. But it's not like the, the, the fervor around the idea of Rey's parents and Snoke's identity was stoked by fandom, 
more than the films themselves, which is fair. And that's what happens. And that's what fans do. And that's kind of part of the love of being a fan. But fans also don't want to look objectively at that and go, well, maybe what I want isn't more important than what would be a good story. Right. And so I, I recently heard like a, a kind of interesting thing, which is obviously when Empire Strikes Back comes out, there's two things are missing. There's no internet and there's no Return of the Jedi. For all of us who are the ones that are writing about it and tweeting about it and posting inflammatory Facebook statuses about it, we watched those movies as a full thing. We watched an entire story. You know, for us, it wasn't episodic. And and what I've heard from a lot of folks that that were that 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 saw the Empire Strike that saw the Star Wars trilogy as it was coming out, the feeling with Empire was like, really? You know, like yeah. And if you look at like New York Times review of it, was like, well, I guess these aren't really movies anymore. They're just. <laughs> Hollywood crap. Yeah. <laughs> and and now like we look back at the Darth Vader thing as one of the most masterful twists in cinema. Which maybe. which like which it is, but oh. also but also only because we got the end. Like we because we we watched that and we went, oh my god, I gotta watch the next one. And yeah. and I feel like there's a little bit of like weird weight put on these films to deliver the experience of that original trilogy in its entirety every every time out. And, and that's crazy to me. So wait, so I want to get into what is so great about the last Jedi Cause I, I think we're talking a little abstractly about, about um, the sort of the impact of the films and the legacy of the films. And I think that we're, we're, yeah, we're kind of missing the forest for the trees a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I want to, I, I have to say one last Jedi hands down the best looking star Wars movie ever. Oh dude. It it had such a great visual presence and that, so there are a lot of little moments in it, especially throughout that Luke Ray, uh, Kylo Ren sort of thing where there are so many on screen visual cues to the story and to what's happening. I, I think my favorite moment in this movie, like my favorite little moment is at the very end when Luke, his, his apparition is confronting Kylo Ren Mm-hmm. which was just the coolest oh, fucking gosslinger oh, so showdown cool. to me. It was the most Kurosawa, like, samurai showdown that I've... Oh, it was so great. It was so true to Star Wars. So but much, like, Rashomon in this movie. There was a moment where Luke is talking to Kylo Ren, and Kylo Ren is getting so angry. He's getting madder and madder. And then it just cuts to his face, and he's snarling, and it cuts to his lightsaber, and it's just crackling with rage and everything around it is silent and quiet except for Luke giving this speech and Kylo Ren just seething with every part of him. And I don't know. It was just great visual storytelling to me really conveying something that I think a lot of movies now would have had Kylo Ren give a speech back rather than just showing how he feels. Yeah, and I I think that... um... On some level, I think Kylo Ren might be one of the greatest villains of our time. He's he's great, super complicated, and, and very sympathetic. And every time he does the wrong thing, you still want him to do the right thing next time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 which is not to say that he uh, is without fault, right? Because he's done terrible things. But oh, he's a villain. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. 
and I just, I kept, I mean, I, I, first of all, I have to hand it to Adam Driver. Whoa. He does so much, and I think that he's not going to get a lot of credit for it because, again, he's not really a speech-giving villain. He has a couple of moments where he talks a lot, but he's not Darth Vader in the way that Darth Vader would monologue. He's Darth Vader in the way that Darth Vader just says, no, I am your father. But also, too, I mean, it, what I really felt like with Adam Driver was, you know, I, like I said, I think the prequels really put these movies in a position where there's certain things they almost have to do or they have to reject them outright, right? And I think right. that with Darth Vader, Darth Vader, maybe the greatest cinematic villain of all time. Yeah, totally. An impossible standard to live up to both in story and on screen. Right. And so, and then we got Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, which Hayden Christensen, don't think he's a bad actor. think he got a terrible script. And I think on some level, the kind of clunkiness of those, that delivery was almost forced. Uh, I don't know. In the direction. I mean, you kind of have to blame George Lucas for it in some ways because – Everyone in that – Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor in that movie and all those movies are just like cardboard cutouts reciting yeah. a script. And at some point, it's a systemic problem in the way the film is being made. Right. And, and, I, <laughs> and I don't even mean to like rag on George Lucas. The guy's a genius who gave us Star Wars. But also I think he did lose his edge a bit after Return. And I think also he got caught up in the idea that like – he could do so many things. Techn- I think he was more enamored with what he could do with technology in so many I think films. that's really why he went back to doing Star Wars. Yeah. Because he knew that that was a way that he could do that for three movies and make millions of dollars and that people would love it. And even if his experiments failed, which I think they often did, it would be something that he could – it was a sure thing. And that's fair. You know, it's his, it was his to yeah, do. Yeah, hey, hey, it's his own art, and, and I, I'll never fault anybody for doing more of their own art if people are paying for it. But with Kylo Ren, it was kind of like, all right, well, how do we – so the only other villains that we had gotten, right, to, to the point of The Force Awakens had been in video games and in books, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And as good as any of the video game villains are, I don't know. There are usually a lot of guys with masks who are Sith Lords. And yeah, it's kind of just the Sith aesthetic. Or they're just yeah. Vader. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, like if you play The Force Unleashed, you're just Vader's apprentice, which... Yeah. I liked the first one. That was a great game. Actually, that game's awesome, and I kind of wish that that was still canon. Yeah. I heard it got thrown out. I hope that that's not the case, because actually that would make a hell of a fucking uh, movie. Um, but whatever. I, I digress. But we had never gotten kind of like a person as a villain, and especially as a Sith. And, and Kylo kind of really splits the difference on one being torn between the light side and the dark side he's clearly dark side he's clearly been traumatized by his experience with the jedi and and uh uh, with luke in particular and and also uh, i i just think i to me there's so many there's so many uh kind of audience stand-ins 
I think, in The Last Jedi. And I think that Kylo is one because he's torn between his legacy, between being a Solo and a Skywalker, and moving this thing forward. Well, he's the product of all three original characters. It's kind of like if you were like the son of Batman or Superman and Wonder Woman who was trained to fight by Batman. Like you'd have to fucking be above and beyond and every single weight and pressure would fall on you. And of course you would turn to the only one who you think would even possibly understand the weight you feel as the chosen one, which would be your weird, creepy grandfather who you never actually met. Right. You know, like Kyla and, and, Adam Driver really sells all that to me. Like the scene where he smashes his helmet was great. Oh, I think that scene is incredible. And and I love that Snoke directly calls him out. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah. That's the moment where you can tell that, that the whole thing, that Kylo Ren's perspective entirely changes. You're just like, I'm not going to be fucking Darth Vader who waited until he was going to die to, you know, kill the person who was getting in his fucking way. I'm going to get rid of Snoke right now. I'm not Darth Vader. I don't hesitate. Right. Because, because I think that that's one thing that you can't deny about Darth Vader is he, he's so subservient to Palpatine for so long. And that, and that actually in that way kind of sucks. Like, (laughs) like, like he's a great villain. Don't get me wrong. But like, you you kind of understand how weak he is and you understand in that moment that and i and i think that what the original trilogy is trying to say is like well the dark side is weakness right right and that's darth vader's problem is not cruelty he's not really cruel he's just very weak right and he's just a weak-willed person but what's so interesting and what i really love about this movie and what i really and this is kind of the thing that I do like about the prequels. And, and I'm not going to say that they're good movies or bad movies, right? But I think they're, they're interesting ideas that maybe weren't explored as fully as they could be. Um, one thing I had mentioned to you is the idea that, uh, and I don't know how intentional it is or if it's just fans reading into stuff, but the idea that Darth Maul, General Grievous... And Count Dooku sort of, if you combine them, become Darth Vader in different ways. There are different aspects of them that add up to the greatest villain we've ever seen. Um, But I feel like that's undercut a little bit by the fact that he's so controlled by Palpatine, you know? Yeah, he's definitely, I mean... That's why he's such a great villain, though, is because he's so conflicted. And so, okay, so while we're talking about the Last Jedi performances, I want to talk about Mark Hamill, who, you know, always been a great actor. But if you only really know him from Star Wars, you don't really see his range that much. And in this, God, I was just so blown away by his performance in it. I don't know. I loved Mark Hamill in this movie. I think that he, maybe this is like a hot take, but I don't know. Best supporting actor? That's what I think. Um, I, I mean, I, I want, I just, I would watch just a movie of him living on Octu. Oh, for sure. Like, like no other characters, just the weird little caretaker characters and some porgs. Yeah. I'd watch it. I'd watch a documentary where David Attenborough just tells us what Luke Skywalker does for two hours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love that. He's a scruffy looking porg herder. 
Um, <laughs> you know? So, okay. We're, this episode is getting a little long in the tooth. So let's talk about Mark Hamill for a minute. And then let's turn to another, the other half of this movie. Sure. Uh, so, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. What were you going to say about, about, about our old, good old buddy, Mark Hamill? Who oh, no, I, I was just, I was just agreeing with you. I mean, I think that he's really incredible in this. I think it's so interesting that he, when he originally read the script, he said to Ryan Johnson, I think this is wrong. I don't think Luke does this because I think that that's a lot of fans feelings about it. And I think that actually the fact that, and he he really walked back from those comments because his whole thing was, I didn't understand the angle that we were going for in this film. And once I understood the motivations of the character and where the character had been in the time that we don't see the character, I'm on board. I think it's really powerful. I think that, uh, unfortunately, those comments do give a lot of license to a lot of Star Wars fans to say, I don't think Luke would do this. I think Luke is giving up. That's not what Jedi do. You know, and I don't, and I think if that's what you're seeing in everything he does in this film, then you are missing the point. And I, and I, 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 I again, a thing that I have said to multiple people is I don't know what you're watching these movies for. If, if this is not, I, I, I listen. There's no right or wrong way to enjoy Star Wars, and if the way that you want to enjoy Star Wars is that they are four to six, and that's it, and that's your entire canon for these movies, and whatever else you want to enjoy about them, whatever details you want to believe, fine. But if you're of the of the thinking that what we get on screen is what we're supposed to believe and what, you know, we're supposed to be on board for. There's so much that is so right. I think about what Luke Skywalker does in this movie that is so exciting to me. Um, so so we, we had talked a little bit about Yoda earlier, and I think that that scene to me, I mean, that took me back. I felt... Oh, totally. It was so I great. I felt Just like watching. I was back on Dagobah. And watching them as two old masters, right. but still watching Luke be Yoda's pupil, even though Yoda's been gone for 40 years. Oh, uh, oh God, it was so great. He reverts great back scene. to the Luke we've always known, and it's a recognition that that Luke is still in there, that he's just been kind of crusted over by a whole bunch of junk, but that in that crusting, he never really dealt with the problems that he had. The, the big thing in Empire, and, and I mean, it's the one thing that kind of gets, kind of gets, uh, it's a button that gets pushed a few times in the original trilogy is like, got to finish your training, got to finish your training, got to finish your training, got to finish your training. And the idea is like, well, he doesn't finish his training. So who knows yeah. what could happen? And I felt like that was the final lesson. Right. And also to me, it was that, you know, uh, in that moment, okay, so I said that, that Luke became Yoda instead of Obi-Wan, and I feel that very strongly. Yeah. But then in that moment where he's talking to Yoda, and Yoda's like, look, the thing you have to learn that you've never learned is that failure exists, and that you can confront it and move on from it, and that the failures of the past don't mean that the future can't be okay or better, or that the good things that happened in the past don't count anymore. Right. 
And I think that's so important because that's kind of what we need to learn about, you know, these movie franchises <laughs> and like Star Wars in general. Yep. Um, that to me is the whole lesson of the movie is you can't escape the past by destroying it. And you also can't honor the past by staying trapped in it. Right. Which is kind of why it's important for Ren to learn that her past doesn't matter. And the past of the Jedi doesn't matter. In that moment, we see Luke recognize his failure and kind of do the Obi-Wan thing, which is that when Luke has to get on the Death Star with Darth Vader, Obi-Wan goes, all right, I know I'm going to die, but now's the time that I can make a difference. And if this is the way it has to happen, this is the way it has to happen. And so he does the become the Obi-Wan and do the Obi-Wan thing. And like I heard from people online, I think you probably saw the conversation that was like some guy was saying, well, I hated everything Luke did. And then at the end, he did all the other exact opposite stuff. And I hated that he did that after he did the wrong thing. I think people have forgotten that characters can grow and evolve or that even human beings can change their mind. Yeah, I, 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 I really uh, I really bristle. I bristle at the idea that characters have to act in a way that you expect. Now, I don't mean that in the way that characters should just wildly do whatever the hell the plot needs them to do. But at no point in this film was I was like, was I like, oh, that character's only doing that so the plot can progress. Except there's one thing. There's, there's one time where I felt that, and that's where... Holdo and Leia don't tell Poe what the plan is. Yeah, I don't know. That seemed weird and it seemed a little contrived. Yeah. So, okay, so let's 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 transition to that half of the story. Well, sure, bit, sure, which sure. Is the the actual um, the resistance side yeah. of the story. I'll quickly say what I liked, uh, which is lots of ladies in charge of shit, just telling dudes sit the fuck down. We got this. Lots of people of color of all genders represented, even in the background. That to me is so important. And that's that Star Wars. In that, yeah. What? Well, no, there was, there was never Star Wars until like 2015. Well, no, I but, meant, I meant, I mean, there were always like powerful women, at least in oh, powerful, sure. I, powerful I, non-men. I, it was never that as diverse as, as it's been. But also, I think that it's one of the things that um, post- return fiction added to the canon was definitely embraced. Yeah, it definitely embraced. And I I was happy to see it embraced further here. Yeah. I liked the performances from everyone. I kind of, I didn't really care about Benicio del Toro's performance. I kind of felt like that character was a plot device. He was kind of his, uh, his character in usual suspects, right? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so anyways, but, but, uh, Laura Dern, always a treasure. I thought she was fantastic as Haldo. I thought her scene with Carrie Fisher, who in this movie was unbelievably amazing. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm truly so good. I loved how much of Carrie Fisher came through and you really got to see how much of, how much of what makes Leia great and made Leia kind of low key, the best star Wars characters always. since day one is, how it, it's it's how the personality, she is. The personality and the, the, the gravitas and just the idea of who Leia is that came from Carrie Fisher. And I, I thought, and I love that she got her force moment in this movie. You know, although that is an awkward scene. I'm going to say. It is an awkward scene and I don't care. I wasn't, I, I wasn't sold on it watching it 
I am sold more on it thinking about it, but I didn't love it, and I wish it was done with a little bit more finesse. I'm um, just glad it got to happen. Yeah, like of me too. Of all the fan moments I wanted, like of all the things from the extended universe that I wanted to see happen, was I just wanted to see Leia use the Force, and that there, there's so little that I will just take for granted or just say, okay, great, that happened. But knowing that we won't get the chance to see more of it or a better version of it, I love that it happened. And I kind of love the way Carrie Fisher went out in this movie. The scene where she and Holdo talked and Holdo kind of took the torch from her and we see how Leia's legacy has played out in the years since Return of the Jedi was just so powerful and so important to me. And I loved it so much. And I loved then that Holdo got to me the absolute best space battle moment in any star Wars thing I've ever seen or read. I think that that what's really exciting about this film. And it's the reason that I keep saying to people like, don't listen to any detractors is that there's stuff in this movie that a kid is going to see. So, so, all right. So to back up real quick, star Wars was like super influential for me, but also, so my brother only went to film school because he was like, he watched Star Wars and said, I want to make movies. He's not the only one. You know, like yeah. a million people saw Star Wars and said, I want to make movies. I mean, probably Ryan Johnson for sure, you know? Oh, 100%. And like, and like, we just watched, like, The Last Jedi as a movie that people will see parts of it and go, I'm going to figure out how to recreate that in my movie. I think the Holdo scene, I think that throne room fight scene, I think the final battle on Crate. I mean, I think that those are all incredible, incredible moments. And, and, uh, 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 I, I, there's just so much, um, some excellent filmmaking in there. And so like, to me, the thing that I loved about Snoke's throne room and about that scene and that it was kind of just in this round room. Honestly, it was a little bit like Justice League in the sense that it just happened in the same square room. Yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ju- not to get into a divergence there. But anyway, but it happened in this one room. But to me, the set pieces, the austere colors, the tone of everything, it was Ryan Johnson embracing the opera half of space opera and making it this kind of monolithic, very Flash Gordon kind of thing. Yeah. Which is absolutely straight from the Star Wars playbook. I think the thing that he did that a lot of people just can't accept is that he just threw out the rules of Star Wars. Like the things that like everything's supposed to matter or not even necessarily that. I mean, the star rules of Star Wars filmmaking. I think there are people who want what they want their Star Wars experience to be is every year they go to the theater for the next 40 years and hear the same catchphrases and I hear everybody go, I know, and that's no moon, and I got a bad feeling about this, and so many wipes, and so many, you know, like, throwbacks to old movies. And, like, Ryan Johnson uses flashbacks here, which Star Wars movies have never mm-hmm. done. You know, he just breaks the rules of Star Wars in a way that makes people, that that, that The Force Awakens, on the other hand, I think some people... Embraces those things. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing, and too, so, is I, I think that even The Force Awakens, though, gets seen through rose-colored glasses, because... People are like, well, at least The Last Jedi. I mean, like, at least Force Awakens wasn't Last Jedi. Yeah, which I think is a, you know, <laughs> bad take. Um, but, but also, like, 
even the structure of the movie is very not Star Wars. It's like most Star Wars movies, almost all of them up until this point, take place some distant amount of time after the end of the previous film, like months or years span of time in between, sometimes decades, obviously. Yeah. And so this movie picks up right afterwards and is very much just an episode. It, honestly, you know what movie it really reminded me of was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, yeah. In many sure. ways. Just structurally and the way it fits into a story. And I think... I think the themes are very different, back, but the execution is very similar. Well, yeah, and I think that it's it, it still has all those Star Wars things that people want, but it kind of said maybe we can do this a little bit different. So, okay, so the other thing that we haven't talked about really yet at all is the kind of the Ray or not sorry, no, Ray a little bit. We didn't really talk about Ray too much. Who I think Daisy Johnson gives an amazing performance in this movie. It's uh, Daisy Honestly, Rid- Daisy Ridley. Did I say Daisy Johnson? Yeah. Oh God. My baby sister looks exactly like Daisy Ridley. That's true. Actually. There are pictures of her, me with her on like my Instagram and my Facebook page. And people are like, why do you have a picture with Daisy Ridley? No, that's my amazing sister who loves star Wars and who I got to geek out with after seeing this movie. Which is honestly the thing that I love most about Star Wars is that she now is the age that I was when I really got heavy into Star Wars, like 18, 19. And she's getting to do that at a time when she can look at Star Wars and see amazing women on screen doing things that kind of Leia was doing, but doing having great, incredible moments. I don't know. It's a point that you were making about kids seeing Star Wars now having a new relationship with it. And getting to forge their own relationship with the characters. I, I was kind of uh, not not to take this too far off where you were going with it, but but I said to my coworker today, I said, "I'm jealous of you," and she was like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "You get to watch these movies with two kids who don't know what's coming." Yeah, and I can't ever get that back. Like I can't ever. Put knowing that like Vader is Luke's father back in the bottle. But if I could go back to that moment, every time, I, I mean, I mean, that's 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 the basis of that's why we're doing this show. Like I, I like I I I don't I I, I don't uh, I don't feel uncomfortable overstating that like uh, like uh, it's everything well, and also i think the problem is that the, in some ways that's what we're all looking for some of us some people can accept when they don't get that and then recognize that it's going to happen for someone else in a different way but like i think a lot of the angry fans here want to go into a star wars movie and every time find out that luke skywalker is darth vader's son but you know what i kind of like i don't know i was jaw dropped when when Kylo goes, you know who your parents are. They're nobody. Yeah, Say it. Was it was a bigger reveal Say than it. if it was like you Obi-Wan know it. Man. They're nobody. With such oh, just the way those words drip out of his mouth when he says it, and you look at Daisy Ridley's face, like to me, I was like, that's our that's our I am your father moment. Yeah. And totally. And to not recognize that to me is is crazy. Well, it's the only way that we could have been surprised and it did surprise people. Yeah, and it, I mean, 
I, I, I've said to multiple people too that, that, that have said like, oh, I'll get around to it. I'll see it. And I'm like, no, you need to see it with an audience because yeah. I think that the audience pops are really important. But True. I think that's what's more than that is the audience silence. This was a movie that for all of its laughs and all of its humor, when shit got real, people were just glued in. A pin could drop and it would be deafening. I mean, the Holdo scene with the, I, I mean, that is like a, a, a great Star Wars scene. Oh, for when all it was time. silent? Oh my Everybody God. in the audience I was in literally gasped. Yeah. Right in front of me just went, oh my God. Yeah. It was so great. Like, oh my God. Like the whole movie is just like, like the, the really big moments, like say whatever you want about, oh, the prank call at the beginning or there being jokes or him throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder. First of all, moment. and I, lo- I, I love, love that, moment, that. And I love Luke Skywalker's staring directly into the camera <laughs> with a green milk mustache. Like Charles it. Manson. Just like, I don't care. I really wish there was a, I hope that when the movie comes back out, they bring back got milk ads. With just, <laughs> with just Luke with oh, the Thalus sirens, just milking a Thalus siren and just being like, got milk. I will so, die. <laughs> We've been talking about this movie now for over an hour, at least about Star Wars. And we have to talk about, we have to talk about Poe and Finn and Rose. First of all, I want to say Rose to me, excellent character. I loved her so much. I loved her sister. I thought her sister got such a cool moment in that uh, beginning. And I loved, Yep. I just thought she was great. I thought to me, the thing that I think people aren't recognizing and that maybe, and maybe I shouldn't say, maybe it's diminutive is that kind of Finn and Rose serve a little bit of the R2 and C3PO role in this movie more than any other role. I didn't really, I I didn't really think about that. I think that, I, I think that, uh, that, with this movie, Ryan Johnson sort of abandons the idea. Like, so, so I don't mean, I, I mean, structurally. And I mean, I don't mean like you can palette swap them by any means. I just mean like, I don't know. Maybe that's too hard a theory to parse out. I, I guess, a, a you know what? I, I think that, uh, so, so their sort of original role is the hidden fortress kind of narr not narrators, but sort of storytellers. They're kind of the record, Right. Like right. That's kind of their role. And I don't see Finn and Rose as that entirely. Although, as I'm saying it now, I mean, Rose knows the legends or the story kind of in a way that, and Finn kind of knows the story because he lived all of it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of see it. I kind of see it. I, well, I, it's, it's more in their dynamic. They're kind of Laurel and Hardy dynamic a little sure. bit. They get more of that kind of camaraderie that, isn't necessarily built into some of the other relationships in this movie. True. But and I they're, and they're they in love, and love just like R2 and C3PO are. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I ship it. Um, BB-8 kind of got a lot of the biggest moments in that kind of side story in a weird way. BB-8's kind of the Chewbacca. Oh, see, I think that BB-8 that... is like the super R2. That's true, but I mean, just in the way that he gets better moments than R2 ever got, because the big moments that R2 got in, like, the prequels all were stupid. That's um, true. I, uh, well, no, he kind of gets a couple cool moments where he, like, fixes the, I don't know, he fixes shit. And yeah, he, like, jets I'm around. Being, I, I'm just mad at the prequels. Anyway, <laughs> so, I think so that actually about- R2 gets 
really, I think R2 might get the best moments of any character that's not Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels. I don't like the flamethrower scene. I think it's kind of like, okay, we're just going a bridge too far with this. Anyway, um, so uh, bad character comparisons aside, to talk about what's Sorry, I, I derailed movie. that. No, 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 no that's, that was my bad comparison with the R2-C-3PO thing. It's just me trying to put... Anyway, I thought that that plot line was really dumb and derailed the movie a whole lot, even though I think that I liked the the, the, the way it thematically fit into the story and the themes it involved, and I liked how it ended up with the kid at the end. I think them getting off the ship going all the way across the galaxy and getting back without being detected, et cetera, et cetera. That really strained my disbelief in a lot of ways. I think that's the one area of the movie that I was just like, I guess that's fine. I love so much of what's happening and I love what's happening with this bad plot device. So I think that they, that at least in the script, there's a good sort of like Poe is kind of like, all right, if you're going to do this, it's going to take this amount of time. So we're going to use this much fuel. Like they at least kind of parse it out where he's like, it's like you have a heist to do. There's this much time to do it. Go do it. It doesn't make sense because that scene ends up being so long, like so long. And in the end result, it just makes everything worse. But I like someone pointed out that I kind of all the decisions, the characters hurt the story you no know, so but. i kind of actually love that it fails right because that's the kind of plan that's supposed to work in a star wars movie traditionally the the kind of like well this is the only thing that we can do the hail mary would work every time every the, time the photon torpedo would go straight exactly down the exhaust port. exactly and and w- there were details within the casino scene that I do really like. For instance, it was very Jim Henson in a lot of ways. It was definitely the movie's uh, cantina scene. Oh, totally. I mean, but but when I t- I'm talking about like on a character level, I think that uh, and this is something. So there's a really great podcast called The Rad Carpet. Uh, they're a friend of mine named Tom Whalen does. Uh, if you listen on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever, check out the Rad Carpet. They did a great Star Wars episode as well. But um, one thing that he brings up in that is that Finn is very enamored with the casino planet. Like, we're, we're talking about a character who was basically, like, kind of sold into First Order slavery. Yeah. Essentially. So the idea that he's seen this sort of, like, high life and he's sort of, like, into it? Rings yeah. really true. I mean, the idea, like, just, just that he gets to see it is, is like, that he's like, whoa, we're, like, in a new place that I've never seen, like, something I never thought I'd see. And also, there's parts of it that are really cool, like, seeing the ship go off the waterfall, like, there, yeah. I was, like, into it. As it went on, no, I was I, less into it. No, when it gets all Jumanji, it, I get less into it. With the, in the with long the horses, run, I liked but. it okay. You know, I, I thought, again, like you said, the character moments were there. I thought it really helped the Finn and Rose dynamic and how it explained a lot about how they each see the universe and each other and the resistance and the First Order and so on. I liked what happened when we got there. I just thought that that part of the movie, I think that's the part of the movie that most people are like, aside from the people who think that they're owed a better Snoke or Ray or whatever. Uh, revelation. Um, I think that's the part of the movie that people are most like, this is a lot of holes guys. And this is really weird. 
And I kind of agree. And I hope that I hope that episode nine does better by Finn, especially. Yeah, because he kind of takes a step backwards in terms of getting cool moments. I got a question for you, which is sure with regards to him. Do you think he should have died? No, not really. Really? Because I, mean, I, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like the 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 one thing that was missing in this movie, right, is the big heroic moment, and I feel like his his mission going into the battering ram to like destroy it or whatever would have delivered that. Now, yeah, but now, I, I don't want him. I don't want him to have died. I'm glad he did not. And I actually, people don't really like that little like Rose being in love with with Finn thing. But I, I'm kind of into it because I also people are really into Ray and Finn being a thing, and I don't, don't understand. Like I They're don't friends. understand it. They're friends, like, uh, and that's I always read that as like, where's my best friend? Not yeah, where? exactly. Where's the person I trust? Yeah, like who can be a person that you're not also romantically interested in? Right, and 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 so I, I've the the shipping kind of angle of the new Star Wars films I've rejected a lot because I don't see those characters in that way. Um, I yeah, I like I I I think that there's cases to be made for all of them. My 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 point being, I like what they did with having uh, Rose save Finn because also it's kind of established that she doesn't just care about him as a romantic interest. She cares about him as this hero of the resistance. Um, and so my thoughts on that are, I think it's important that she saves him because that shows that she is actually taking the lessons that like Leia and Haldo are trying to teach them. And saying, okay, Finn, you might throw your life away on this battering ram, but they'll just bring out the next thing, and then you'll be dead, and then we'll also still be in danger. You can come with us and help us more in the long run. She's learning the lesson that the other characters, you know, that it's taking Poe and Finn, obviously, a long time to learn, which is sometimes the thing that seems like a crazy Hail Mary pass is exactly that and isn't going to work. And so she's there to go, like, okay, well... Someone's just reinforcing that theme. Exactly. And it's building on that. And it's saying like, Finn, you don't have to die. You don't have to go away. And I liked that, you know, they're kind of the the Han Solo moment, like the Han Solo and Carbonite moment to me in this is Luke Skywalker fading away. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same kind of moment because there's no one there to go. Oh, well, now I know Luke's dead. But. I think we're going to see him as a force ghost for sure. Oh, I, I think, uh, especially unfortunately because Carrie Fisher is gone that I, I think, I, I think here's, what's really genius. I think about what the initial plan, which is, I think very clear now for this new trilogy was let's do three more movies and take the original cast off the board. Right. Say goodbye to each of them and give them their due. Yeah. And give them, Something to chew on, you know. Um, Han clearly, clearly gets his time in Force Awakens. Um, Luke is really the star of The Last Jedi. Right. Which isn't to say that Leia doesn't get her moments, but it really but felt like... she didn't like, get her whole movie of... Right. It really felt like Rey was going to... Rey or Finn or I think especially Poe, honestly... 
Poe is really the Leia, the heir to Leia's legacy. I think so too. I think so too. And I think what's really fun about these new, this new trio is that they're not exactly those characters. We're not beholden to them in this. And I think people expected that a lot. And I think with characters like Poe, especially in the first movie, people wanted him to do more. Same way with Captain Phasma. And I think they're, again, trying to palette swap too much. Phasma, though, I think is really just Boba Fett, and I'm fine with that. Star Wars kind of needs a cool, flashy villain who just dies in every movie and gets to come back every time. Like, she's fallen <laughs> to the Sarlacc pit twice now. Yeah. And I think that's great. You I know what? I actually never thought of it that way. I was actually a little disappointed because I wanted to see more Phasma. Um, I don't know if you've read Kelly Thompson's Captain Phasma book at all. I have not really read many of the Star Wars comic books. Me neither, but mostly because I don't care about them. Uh, But because, like, I've already gone through my needing to know everything about Star Wars phase. But the Phasma, uh, her Captain Phasma arc is... So in Force Awakens, Phasma is the one that lowers the shields, right? Yeah. In... In the Captain Phasma book, she goes around killing everybody that knows she did it so she doesn't get in trouble. That's awesome. Which is a great idea. Like That's great. That's awesome. I love that. That's so great. And, and I got to say, Kelly Thompson, uh, I loved her reviews when she was writing for CBR, and she's writing Hawkeye. Not anymore, unfortunately. Oh, Our well, yeah, canceled. it just got yeah. canceled. But but it was a great book. A great book, Fight and Trades. Um, I, I think really incredible and a great, great, great follow-up to Fractions Run on Hawkeye with Dave Aha. Uh, I hope they, they give her Young Avengers. Avengers. I, hope I hope she gets, gets that next. Honestly, Honestly, I would love to read that. I hope she gets Avengers. I, 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 hope, she, I hope she gets a big book. Because I, I, I think that we're we're ready for it, and I think she's ready yeah. for it. And honestly, I think she was ready for it before this, and I I, I just think she's great. But that Phasma... So Captain Phasma... That yeah, Phasma I, idea, I, I, I think, is... In, the idea that like Phasma's like, ah, oh, shit, gotta go fucking murder everybody. One, very Boba Fett, and two... Yeah. ...is so much fun. And I kept thinking about that while she was like on screen while I was watching the movie. And it reminded me of something I love about Star Wars, which is sometimes the great things about these characters are just things that sort of wing into those characters that aren't necessarily on screen. Um, Holdo's another character that if you read any of the recent Princess Leia uh, novels, Holdo is a character in those novels, so, so Leia meets her when she's much younger. And they sort of have a relationship. So, and I love the way that that's communicated on screen in this movie, even oh, in that brief wonderful. moment. It's, it's wonderful. It's so brilliant. It's just like, nope, she's got it. I, you know, like I yep. trust her entirely. And then she fucking does too. She yeah. handles it, and it's fucking badass. But also, her bracelets are the stars above her planet. They're maps. Oh, that's awesome. Like it's just a cool little detail, you know. And it's but like you can still get that with Star Wars, right? Oh, but so just to wrap up Captain Phasma, I love that the ultimate stormtrooper, like the greatest stormtrooper in the First Order, really all she does is look way more badass than she is and die a lot because truly <laughs> that is the essence of being a stormtrooper. Is dying You can't extra. appreciate that? Exactly. And if you can't appreciate that about the character, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. 
You just don't love Star Wars the way that I love Star Wars, and that's fine. But and and you know, know what? Phasma's great. I don't think that there is many. There are many bad. Like, there's no wrong way to love Star Wars, but no, absolutely not. But, but I will say, so much of being a Star Wars fan is sort of accepting what we're given. Yeah, because we kind of don't get any power. I think with uh, I think again because both of us come from more of a comics background than anything else, more than film or anything else. With comics, there's sort of like a well, if we make enough noise about it, things can change. Well, there's a immediacy of voting with your wallet every single month. Every month, Star Wars. Right. You know, Star Wars. We're going to get every year now, so in the long run, we can. But you know, but also, so, but also, our comic books like every year. Voting every year for comics is those movies. They're not the comics, yeah. you know. So with Star Wars, it's such a ubiquitous thing that the sections of fans who are super upset about things are ultimately really small, um, even if they're very vocal. And I think that what's way more fun about being a fan is just sort of like, especially with Star Wars, I mean, just because... Previously, we got so much crazy shit. Like, and I don't mean like, oh my god, it was so insane. Like, I mean, it was like garbage. No, like tree people, Jedi, and sentient bunnies. <laughs> like, it was and just like garbage. Weird, yeah, well, I wouldn't call those things garbage. No, no, no. Because some of those are funny. But no, no, no. But just so much, like, just weird, quirky, like, offbeat Star Wars And it Wars all stuff. counted. Yeah. Like, all of it counted. And I feel like we just got a movie that was like... Ah, uh, yeah. We should be able to do that cool, crazy, weird shit. Yeah. And it and and also for everybody that doesn't like The Last Jedi, I totally get it. I hope you show up for the next one. Because I think the next one's going to be a lot more what we expect from a Star Wars trilogy ending. It's JJ Abrams again, which is, you know, I, I think, think that's true. fine. I think that 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 bridging the gap with a movie that's a little more auteur kind of setting the stage maybe for a little more of what the Star Wars to come looks like is going to be is fine. So do you feel like, Oh, I'm sorry. Finish. No, 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 go go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, do you feel like this was like a, an art, uh, an auteur film? Do you feel like this was like a Ryan Johnson special? Oh, Ryan Johnson is the sole accredited writer, but uh, but, but, but directed it. I think, I think that the fact that they're giving him his own trilogy shows that it absolutely is Ryan Johnson's vision in as much as they said, here is what you can do. Now go do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they laid out the parameters and just let him do his thing. It almost and feels like they didn't say it. no to him a lot. I don't think they did because he didn't seem to want to ask for anything crazy. If J.J. Abrams got to kill Han Solo, then Luke Skywalker kind of dying, but probably coming back. And also I think Snoke's going to come back as an evil force ghost. That would be cool. That would be cool. Johnson oh. kind of talked about that I a mean, little bit. I mean, having like a devil and angel on Kylo Ren's shoulders. Yeah. It's, it's maybe a little obvious, but, but, but kind of a cool idea. Uh, something yeah. we haven't seen before, certainly. Um, so we kind of went through all of the stuff we usually talk about. We talk about how this movie breaks your heart. We talk about, we talked about the things we didn't like. We're closing in on a 90 minute star Wars holiday special here. Just like my hero B Arthur 
Miguel from uh, Golden Girls who <laughs> sang a wonderful song in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yep. And that's the other thing to think about with the Star Wars Holiday Special is that was the second Star Wars thing we ever got. There are a lot of people <laughs> for whom their The Last Jedi was the fucking Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> think about how lucky we Do are. Do you think anybody has not, just like not, not gone back to Star Wars? They were like, the Holiday Special, it was terrible. I'll never watch Empire Strikes Back. I think a lot of people definitely had the rose-colored glasses tinged that day i think that was a lot of people's like <laughs> pop culture awakening that sometimes things suck and so so like it's imagine that imagine watching a new hope and being like oh my god and then the next thing you see is of the holiday special that was people's reality so shut up about how you think the last jedi is dishonoring the legacy of star wars the legacy of star wars is b arthur and paul lind doing <laughs> vaudeville in the cantina <laughs> while also Chewbacca's, Chewbacca's weird family Chewbacca's creepy smelly family itchy and stinky and the kids or whatever <laughs> what a weird movie just that for some people that was their Star Wars saga and their Star Wars mythos and they loved it people still <laughs> love that movie legitimately and that's fine did that no ever come out on DVD I god not officially <laughs> you can only get it at comic-con kids that's exactly right um so (laughs) yeah anyway there's so much more star wars we could talk about and maybe we'll get to do that some later but it's already been it's this is a 90 minute episode which is a long one for us and obviously we talked about all of star wars here including the last jedi any closing star wars thoughts pierce about this movie or star wars in general i think that right now I am more excited for Star Wars than I have been since before I knew, before I saw episode one. Like, I feel like right now, everything is a possibility. And I, and I am tempering my expectations at knowing, like, who's in charge of the movie and, like, being an adult who understands what that means and knowing that that like it's owned by Disney and that there's certain things we can and can't do. Although, although I will say everybody's like the Disney fine version of star Wars. First of all, the death count in this movie, astronomical, uh, the, I I don't know that there was so much vision in this film. Nothing about this. Like, yes, we're still talking about corporate entertainment. It's still a very corporate movie. But also, this was a protest against our current president. This was, I, I, I mean, I mean, there's so much in this film. There are so many ways to break it down. I mean, I could talk about it for another three hours, and so, I, I wouldn't even begin to scratch the surface on on all my feelings about this film because I I I I, I truly think that this is like populist media saying the thing that we want populist media to say. Because it's not like a niche thing. This is Star Wars being like, the president fucking sucks. Like, it's like fascism is garbage. <laughs> and, and, and fuck yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, if you can't walk away from Star Wars with uh, an anti-fascist message, like if you are not anti-fascist and you love Star Wars, who are you identifying with in these movies? Like if you're anyway. like, Hux is the best character. Oh, yeah. Like Hux. you're not even, Ugh. you're not even listening. And also, but, get the hell out. 
<laughs> I mean, Hux is a. I thought he was a great character and a great performance. But if you think he's the hero, maybe that's, that's, that's what, what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, but no, I agree with you. I think that the, the really encouraging thing about this movie to me is that it shows that there is a way to find a vision and tell a story and and have some creative inspiration and creative control in these tentpole franchises, which is what movies are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, much totally. to that's, the dismay of some, I think it's encouraging that Ryan Johnson found a way to have his voice come through in the Star Wars movies. And I think what it really sets the stage for, to me, is a Star Wars universe that is not so much a saga as much as it is almost a genre in the way that like Marvel right now the reason those movies work is because they're not just making a superhero movie over and over again. Sometimes they do, but a lot of the ones that people really love and that really define what we think of as the Marvel saga is, are, are the ones that are taking genres and saying, let's make a movie in this genre, or we're going to use the trappings of Marvel comics to do it. I think that's awesome. And I think that's really a takeaway from the last Jedi is that those things are possible. And we can see star Wars movies that don't fit into the mold that we expect even though we probably will get a lot of those too. I think that's great. And But also too, I think that this movie is a challenge to, to franchise films. Because, I don't know, to me... Certainly it's a challenge to the people who make those films. Oh, to no, say, no, no, that's what I mean. Is like, is like that throne room fight scene, dude, to me, that is like, okay, everybody, come at me like make a better fight scene than that because to me that not only spoke to the who the characters are it was also artfully done and i think that we have gotten to the point where we're so inundated and i think marvel movies are partly to blame for this i mean it's superhero movies but 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 marvel movies especially especially being such a force over the past decade um it's the same fight scene every time right it's yeah. super close up. It's kind of blurry. You don't really get to see what's going on. There's nothing being said in the fight scene about the characters. And that throne room scene with Kylo and Rey and the the royal guards there is just... Well, it kind of threw out all the things, all the expectations set by the prequels of like, well, this is going to be acrobatic and crazy and we're going to see a lot of the same CGI and we're going to have the characters that are really just animated. Blah. It wasn't that at all. It was just, okay, we're going to do the lightsaber fights the way they used to happen, which is just, it's a fucking fight. That's what I mean. And, and I think that like, I, I, I felt like it was like a call out on some level, you know? And, and I think that that's exciting. I, I think that there's something about lightsaber battles. Hell, like, I get that Iron Man shoots blasts out of his hands. But you know what? When I see Black Panther and Captain America go at it or whatever, I don't know. I just, I want to see, like, people punching each other. Because, like, that's got more, more weight to it. More than just the flash. You wanna, it, it, there's, no, there's no visceral part of it where it's like, no human connection in it. There's no like choreography. It, it, right. It's animated a lot of the time. And it's, which is fine. Like we and know it's when it's, cause but. like also like we're, we're, we're uh, like even the least savvy of audiences understands what they're watching at this point. You know, they know that like 
oh, that Spider-Man thing was, that Spider-Man flip was actually CGI. He didn't really swing from those buildings. He didn't really jump off of that wall, you know? Yeah. But to have, so, to have characters and to have actors specifically doing things and reacting almost more than, like reacting in character more than acting as their character or having those moments sort of animated. I think it's really right. It puts a human weight on it and really connects the characters to the scene more than just the, more than the scene to the narrative and to, to strip it back and just say, all we really need to make a really compelling fight scene is the fucking actors doing the fight scene and having it look cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. And like, Oh, I, I, I mean, I can't get over, I can't get over how that scene looks. I mean, I yeah. think it's so. That, honestly, the Snoke chamber scenes were my favorite. Uh, aside from I, the great uh, battle at the end, and and I and, and and I cannot overstate how much I love Adam Driver in this movie. I love Daisy Ridley in this movie. I mean, the two of them, to me, one of right the best now, acted Star Wars movies by far, are the heart of this franchise now. Yeah, you absolutely. know, I mean, I love Finn, I love Poe, I love Rose, but to me. Like Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley. Well, they're the two opposing ideologies at this point. So, but I, what's so much about fun about them is that as much as their ideologies oppose, they're kind of the same. Yeah, they're looking for the same thing. Yeah, like their goals. They're they're at least their 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 general goal. Their internal journey. They're reflections of each other. Oh, okay, just, so we got to wrap. There's this up. so we much. Got, there's so much. Go on. I'm forever. sorry. We I'm, on I, I, like I said, I could talk That's about. That's why this we movie. wanted to do this uh, and record it because we had so much to say. Ugh. So I, I hope everyone enjoyed the Star Wars holiday special that we just did. I hope that everyone enjoys discussing the Last Jedi, whether you liked it or not, in a way that is productive about discourse about art and storytelling and not about anger and minutia. Uh, yeah. And I hope that everyone has a great holiday. We're going to have an episode, hopefully uh, over the holidays. I think we're going to have some stuff coming and then we might take a short hiatus in January and we'll be back with some new guests and some new stories to talk about in the new year. But for now, um, I don't really have anything to plug. You know where I am. Uh, Pierce, anything? Well, you just got a new Twitter, didn't you? No. Have you been Crypt Trash for a very long time? I just changed my username. Oh, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, I'm Crypt Trash. On <laughs> You're no longer hate to Twitter. death. I'm not hate to death anymore. I'm Crypt Trash. That's Crypt, <laughs> C-R-Y-P-T-T-R-A-S-H. Anyway. Uh, I don't yeah, really have anything. If you anything. want to follow me on Twitter, I mostly just tweet about ancient aliens. Yeah. And uh, I don't really have anything to plug right now. I mean, uh, I'm... I'm very excited. I just finished the treatment for my, or scriptment for my, for a book I'm writing. Um, so I'm sure you'll hear more about that as it progresses. Uh, if you're an artist and you want to draw a comic about serial killers, let me know. Um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for listening to us yell about Star Wars for an hour and a half. Uh, I, I gotta say, this show has been one of my favorite things of 2017 and uh, we love all of you and we're going to do a mailbag to close out the year. And then uh, I think our first episode back is going to be about ultimate Spider-Man number 13, um, which is a great uh, volume one ultimate Spider-Man volume one uh, number 13, Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. 
Um, so look forward to that uh, probably the second week of January, so probably January 10th or so. Yeah, I don't want to put a date on it because we're traditionally not great at that. We're definitely <laughs> we're very late, like, yeah. but I'm being optimistic because that's one of my New Year's resolutions. So that's what we're hey. doing. And um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening right now and who has been listening. We've really enjoyed doing this this year, and it's been a big goal for Pierce and I to have started this. And so, yeah, I just want to echo their statement and their sentiment and say thank you for listening. And also, Star Wars will break your heart. Just don't let it break your heart too much. And also, let other people love it. It's fine. It's more fun. Yeah. They all like it, too. Yeah. But anyway. All right. All right. Thanks, George. everybody. Yes, Pierce. I think we're out of here. Yeah. All right, kids. Comics will break your heart. See you around, kid. Comics Will Break Your Heart is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, and Athens, Georgia, and produced by Chris Grassi. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play, and follow us on Facebook by searching Comics Will Break Your Heart, Twitter at CWBYH Podcast, and Tumblr. Thanks for listening. <laughs>